Hello, thanks for joining us for episode 4 of Curricular Carryout from Connected Falkirk, a professional learning podcast for educators in the digital world. This is CLPL you can take part in while travelling to school. And travel is a theme for today as we consider iPad and learning beyond the classroom. On this episode, we are going on an adventure to learning spaces outside of the traditional classroom. Yes, like a bunch of eager little hobbits, we'll set off from the idyllic, picturesque calm of the classroom to venture further and further into new territories to explore how iPad can enhance learning in three types of alternative spaces. I just hope nobody starts referring to their iPad as the precious along the way. (laughs) My name is Gavin Morrison and I'm joined by the Connected Falkirk team, Mary-Jane Patterson. Hi everyone. Andy Ault. Hi. And by our ICT Curriculum Development Officer, Kerry Abercrombie. Hello. And from our XMA partners, Michael Conlon. Good afternoon. Hi. We'll have three stops on our journey to explore iPad learning outside the classroom. First, those alternative indoor spaces closest to the classroom, such as corridors, gym halls, a stage, or perhaps a specialist room of some kind. Next, we'll discuss campus spaces, any outside areas such as school grounds or sports fields. And we'll finish by discussing how to maximise extramural opportunities and class trips be they within Falkirk or to international destinations. Guiding us through this journey, like three reliable Sherpas, will be our core tenets, which are easy, because moving learning outside of the classroom already brings its own additional challenges, compatible, because you're not going out and about just to use an iPad, it should always support important learning, and useful, because who wants to hear about something you can't actually make use of. Let's start by taking just a few steps outside of our traditional classroom. How can iPad support learning in those available spaces that are still within the school building, but allow for something a bit different? Any thoughts here, Mary-Jane? Yeah, so in, I'm just off the top of my head thinking about early years, primary one, primary two, when we do a lot of spelling, um, a lot of phoneme work and something that works really quite well that's not too far away from our classrooms is um, exploring some of our corridors. Taking the iPads with us and using them to explore things that start with a particular phoneme that we've been looking at, having a look at letters and even number work as well within the corridors, exploring how that fits into our environment and helping the pupils identify that through using things like the camera or even capturing it in video so that when we do go back into the classroom, we can have a little closer look at that and discuss with the pupils, you know, what did you get that started with this phoneme? It's a good way to kind of sort out some of the issues that you might have at that early level where they are hearing sounds that aren't quite the phoneme that you're looking at. So that PH sound that still sounds like the F sound, you're then able to distinguish between the different objects um, to give them a better grasp of that um, going forward. 
So is that then really about just giving the pupils more variety and the kinds of things that they can encounter? Yeah, definitely, because obviously there's only so many things that you'll see in your classroom. So just taking it, you know, that little step further out and about in the corridors, um, you know, up to the senior corridors and things like that, they're going to obviously encounter different things. Yeah, excellent. Thanks very much. Uh, Michael, what about you? What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, Well, mostly it's about the, the kind of the four walls of my own classroom really and the limits that that sometimes places in the kind of activities I want to do with a large group of children so for example say I'm a computing science teacher that was my background Um, but why wouldn't I want to get kids to create a script to talk about um, a particular aspect of computing science and the room that I was in wasn't the right space to film that maybe the right space for that is in the drama studio or in a larger space or separate, different, even different classrooms, I suppose. Um, but what the limits of those four walls do that can be opened up by that attitude that the iPad tends to bring to people, that this is a place, This is because it's mobile, I can take it to other places. So I had kids creating movies um, for me in my class and they used the corridors to do the filming of their script and they used the, 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 the drama studio for that too. So it's about recognising there are some learning experiences that don't fit the shape of your space and there might be better spaces and places in that building yeah. with, to take children to. Now, of course, you have to make sure every other member of staff in the school knows that that's happening so they're not surprised by kids wandering corridors and, you know, being in a drama studio. So, you know, a bit of pre-preparation before it, but certainly use what that, the the imagination that the iPad gives you to explore other spaces and places in your, in your building. Yeah, so again, kind of similar to Mary Jane, it's about opening up that physical space to give yourself more opportunity and more options. But you said something interesting there as well about the attitude. How did you find that the students responded to that opportunity? Did they see that as a real a real treat and then really make the most mm-hmm. of it? Well, you know, we, we're in a relationship business, so part of the work I had to do was to make sure that there's a trusted relationship between me and them and that they understood that I was trusting them to um, exhibit the same kind of behaviour I expect in my classroom as I do in the corridors. Yeah. Now, we ended up having an Oscar ceremony for that because they really bought into um, into that whole experience of being trusted to go and make something um, that, that belonged to them, that was owned by them, that was looked different from anything they've ever done before. So, you you know, I put my I put my, my, my special suit on and, and my colleague got all glammed up and the kids all came to the Oscar <laughs> ceremony. And it was but that was a real investment and in, in an experience that you can produce for children. And experience is what kids remember an awful lot, you know. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, thank you very much. Kerry? Yeah, so quite similar uh, to Michael. So my background obviously is as a, a media teacher, um, and obviously part of that business is getting kids to make a uh, film pieces or moving image pieces Um, and I was actually lucky enough to be in a situation where we had alternative specialist rooms that the young people could use in our school so we did have uh, a studio space um, and we also had a a Mac suite that the kids could use as alternative spaces I also was lucky enough to have a gigantic cupboard and when I say a gigantic (laughs) cupboard I mean like bigger than most people's flats like yeah Yeah. it was huge Um, and again it was just that idea of letting the the young people use different spaces now for me yeah. obviously a big part of what we are doing involves quite serious filmmaking you're trying to follow rules of the set so you can't have five groups working together in the same space 
for noise, obviously, and for when you're filming and you're wanting, you know, people to be reciting lines, so on and so forth. But yeah. also a big uh, factor was lighting. So I wanted the young people to be able to control the particular lighting and the particular spaces. So therefore, I had to make sure there was alternative places for them to go where they could do that. And much like Michael was saying, you know, the different backgrounds, like it's very hard to make a classroom look like... Like look like a bedroom, or look like a a, a a doctor's office, or you know whatever, and so set dressing was a huge part of what we had to do, and to give them the different species that were equipped with the different items that they could dress the set and change the way that the set looked was really important and that wasn't about having access to an actual doctor's office or an actual beach hut or an actual you know study it was about allowing them the freedom to select the right space for their film. Right, um, and obviously we primarily would use, certainly with the younger classes, would use the spaces that we had, the specialist rooms. But once you get them into that routine of treating those spaces responsibly and being with their iPad, working away safely and respectfully, you can actually open them up to film in, in other parts of the school. I mean, I certainly had cert lots of people filming in medical, uh, which obviously is a very different looking space to perhaps a classroom or a corridor. Um, lots of people going to nurture bases, science classrooms, where they maybe wanted to yeah, do well. like, you know, something that involved having a background of equipment and stuff. But it's about, as Michael said, building that relationship um, with the pupils to make sure that they understand that this is a, you know, you're putting your trust in them mm -hmm. and they're going to go out and make the most of the opportunity. And I did have a few things that I would do specifically to sort of try and build that up. So All one right. of the, when I was working with young, younger children, S1, S2 um, classes, I would have them tell me, so they would send one person out, they would scope the location, they would come back, they would like maybe have taken pictures of it, do a wee recce, yep, right, we're going to use medical. And I would have a note of where each group was supposed to be. And yeah. I would actually go round, while they were out filming, I would go round each location that they'd told me. And if the group weren't in the location that they had said that they were going to be, that obviously was a conversation that then had to happen when we got back to the classroom. So oh, it was, yeah. you know, just having those things in place to make sure that, you know, the, the young people don't think it's just a sort of free-for-all and they get to run about the corridors yeah. because as Michael has alluded to there is still learning and teaching going on in other areas of the school and just because they're excited because they're getting to film something which is obviously mm -hmm. uh, a, a very engaging process they can't mm -hmm. um, they can't disrupt the the life of the school otherwise the other of big course. thing as well of having additional spaces was that I was able to have a, a, a green screen set up full-time so it was oh, always there and you were able to say, oh, you want to do that little piece, that little part for your animation or for your whatever, right? Just nip next door and, and use the green screen there, um, yeah. which obviously is a huge luxury. But having those alternative spaces set up to maximise what you're going to actually use them for um, mm. is obviously hugely beneficial when the kids come to use them. But the more they're in them, the yeah. more they, they know how to use them responsibly, respectfully, and get the most out of them. Yeah, so there's almost a, they, they kind of build their confidence and familiarity with that process over time, as well as teachers will have to do, you know, maybe if you've not done this kind of thing before, 
you'll, you'll start out and uh, maybe start small and then see how it goes and make adjustments and then kind of build up to it. Is that a sort of process that you feel you went through? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like so, talking about starting small, I did. I I did have the luxury of a really big classroom, and I think primary teachers are quite used to this idea of like segmenting their classrooms and like a reading space, a, yeah. a a wet play space, so on and so forth. Um, in secondary, perhaps less so. Um, you know, but I I had obviously because it's it's media. I did have different sections of the classroom set up in different ways with different wallpapers maybe or different uh, types of props like one with loads of plants one that had like computery stuff like just oh. trying to make the most of the space around about so that when it comes to that moment of them taking their devices and doing something away from their desk they have options and that's like what Mary Jane was saying it's about options it's about exposure to different varieties of things that they can use to get the results yeah. that they want yeah, sure. Thanks a lot. And I really like that thing you touched on there as well, Kerry. I mean, Michael said that we're in the business of, of relationships with the pupils, but of course we have those relationships with other staff as well. And it's about doing this in a responsible way. So making sure that your pupils are making the most of these opportunities um, without interfering with the other learning that's going on. So great that we were able to, to kind of cover both of those aspects of this process as well. Andy, I'm interested in, in your perspective on this because as a PE specialist, I guess this might be slightly different for you, um, certainly in relation to how I think of it as an English teacher. So what, what are your thoughts on the use of, of alternative spaces? Yeah, Gavin, I mean, obviously listening to a lot of the things that the, the guys have been talking about there and a lot of kind of similar points, but everything that You've all been talking about this idea of an alternative space is pretty much what I would class as a PE teacher as your day-to-day -day environment. You know, we yeah. don't always have the luxury, excuse me, of, you know, a confined space with four walls where you can work with, you know, individual groups. Sometimes, it, you know, my my classroom is the AstroTurf and it's two degrees and it's raining <laughs> and it's blown a gale and you've got two other classes on it at the same time. So it's that idea of, you know, what, what different people think of alternative as some people's kind of day-to-day. And I think that's, it's coming back to, you know, a lot of the things that the guys were saying, it's that integration, it's that, it's not actually something different. From my perspective, you know, um, coming from PE, it's, it actually enhances everything that you're doing. You know, PE is about this idea of, you know, evaluating things, analysing it, making comparisons, what impact can that have? Traditionally, yeah. how did we do that? How did, you know, how did I do that in the past when I started teaching? It was a video camera that you had three of and it was on a tape and then you had to record it, but you couldn't watch it back and then you plugged it into the TV the next day to the, whereas now it's instant. So that idea of Kerry was talking about with the routines, when I'm working with the kids and say, for example, we're on the pump track and we're doing mountain yeah. biking and we're looking at their downhill attack position. Groups that are working there, who's taking that one iPad out? They're able to film each other. They're able to then analyze that together as a group. They can do that there when they are outside. So it's that idea of, you know, not just thinking about doing something and then coming back to it. From my perspective, it's that kind of, that integration, you know, into exactly what is happening at that time. As Kerry said, you know, the kids are out and they're working in different areas. It's the exact same that, you know, where we set up if the kids are on the AstroTurf, 
and they're doing, uh, you know, preparation, action, recovery of a javelin. That idea of, you know, each kid is then responsible. They're in their own area. I can supervise them. I can see what they are doing. It allows, you know, me to kind of keep control of that and work with the kids within that side of things as well. So, yeah, I would yeah. say that that idea of, like, alternative spaces for me is, is, is the normal. And it's about making sure that, you know, staff are thinking about those, especially if, you know, as Mary Jane saying, Mary Jane's perspective, you know, being from a, a primary uh, a primary background, that classroom, Mary Jane also teaches the kids for PE. It's that idea of the, mm-hmm, the yeah. iPads can be integrated into those lessons as well that allow the kids to do the same things that they would do in a classroom environment when they're in their PE time as well. And I think that's that's the kind of real important bit that I kind of take from, from that side of things, Gav. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, for some of the previous comments were about how changing the learning space kind of was an advantage because it opened up opportunities and, uh, you know, different possibilities for the pupils. Mm-hmm. But I suppose for you, you've all, that's always been the case. Like you've always had that space. But So maybe for you then the, the different thing is the iPad being more widely available now that we've got one-to-one in the secondary schools. So like, like it's really interesting that you compared the previous scenario where you would maybe be sharing three video cameras and it took a day before anyone could see it to the situation that we're in now where it's where it's absolutely instant. I mean, I assume that you've seen a bit of an impact from that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was similar to what Kerry was saying. Kerry had a specialist, her uh, media room where, oh, right, you can just quickly nip next door and because we've got the green screen set up, that now is, that's now what happens for you know, within a PE environment on a day-to-day basis, there's, there's no there's no additional preparation required going, oh, right, okay, I need to do, I need to make sure I've got these chars, I need to find that. It's just instant. You can do that there and then. But the big part as kind of going back to what Kerry and Michael were saying and Mary Jane, it's the pupils are responsible for that. Once you've yeah. got those routines and the pupils are then able to, to do that, they're able to manage that themselves, which I think's, you know, key to learning and teaching and it's, and it's building that relationship with them yeah thanks very much everyone so before we, we move on i just do want to touch on our three tenets here of easy uh, compatible and useful so i think for easy a lot of people talked about how they they built up to a situation where pupils mm-hmm. were comfortable with this would you say that generally that's that's the key to it yeah i i i would say that this is I think once you get going, it's very easy. I think there is some preparation that needs to be done around it to establish the the routines and the expectations. But what I would say, and I can see everyone nodding on the call, you know, that's no different to what you would do in any other scenario. Do you know what I mean? Like if Andy's taking kids out to the pump track, there's a conversation there beforehand about what he expects from the way they treat the yeah. equipment, the way that they act in the environment. Um, if I am handing out, or if Mary Jane's handing out number jotters, you know, there's an expectation of how those jotters are to be treated and clad and so on and so forth. You know, we 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 have so many routines already. Yeah, this yeah. is this is just another an, another thing that you need to give a bit of consideration to. But it's nothing outside the wheelhouse of what you don't already. Mm-hmm. What, was that right? What you don't already do, what you do already do, whichever one of those ones <laughs> yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's not anything different to what you already do. And and is it worth establishing those routines because of the uh, the compatibility that you then get from this experience? I think it's a no-brainer. And I mean, as you're basically saying, once you have those routines in place, then it then becomes the norm. So then things just happen naturally. 
and what is what what do you enjoy about teaching can you just see things happening that you've been working with the kids on and you you know you can you see that happening in real life I think that's one of the kind of key parts to it yeah I think the other thing as well is compatibility with curriculum for excellence and you know uh, responsible citizens like the fact that you are going around the school community and you are able to you know behave in a particular way and you you can use everything that's available to you in a way that is that is beneficial to everybody's learning um Mm -hmm. that's something that's that's huge even beyond the compatibility with individual subject specialisms yeah it would seem to me to enhance like the learning that you're doing if you can do it in another space and widen the opportunity and also crucially give pupils those responsibilities so um, in a couple of the examples talking about filming everyone might have a role and it's very important that they have to fulfill that role in order for the task to succeed or you know uh, and these PE examples where you know people will maybe be in charge of retrieving the javelin making sure it was all done safely so being able to do all those things I think definitely compatible with um, curriculum for excellence and taking that concept of responsible citizens beyond just a an abstract idea and, and allowing people to actually live it and, and experience it and that's so much more powerful yeah, it's also for me, you know, I know we talk about filming a lot. Um, you know, there are activities just sometimes to give kids, uh, just to give them a, a change of scene, you know. You're, maybe you are just typing up an essay or, you know, doing um, doing some research. Why does it have to be done in this room? Can maybe today, can we just maybe go to the assembly hall or go to another space um, just to mix things up a little bit? Yeah. Another thing that we've seen work really well um, in a number of places is the during transition and getting young people to do like a sort of scavenger hunt around the school to familiarise themselves with the school grounds and the the corridors and where things lead and where things link mm-hmm. up and stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's not just necessarily linked directly to, um, you know, curriculum, learning and teaching. There are other benefits there as well. Yeah, sure, yeah, about familiarity of the of the space. Superb, right. Well, thanks very much, folks. Um, I hope that you now all feel confident to venture slightly further away from the traditional classroom. I'm interested now in those, what I'm calling campus spaces. So we're still within the boundaries of the school grounds, but we're now thinking you know, taking things outside, maybe playgrounds or sports fields or anything else that you might have access to in your in your playground area. So, Michael, any ideas for this kind of space? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm always a fan of, of, of doing experiments, you know, and, and doing experiments and being curious about the world. And sometimes you need a bigger space to do that and you need certainly an outside uh, space to do that. So one of the things I used to do with, with, with uh, kids was to take them out with them, and don't laugh, uh, water balloons okay so you take take water balloons outside and you you trust them with with pins right i know maybe going too far for some people um (laughs) trust them with pins and what they're going to do is they're going to burst that water balloon and it's something about surface tension and they film it in slow-mo um so they can watch it back and to see how the water tries to retain the shape that it's in the balloon but once it's popped everything just kind of falls to pieces you can't do that in the corridor of a school because the place would be drenched with water it needs to be outside you know because Mm -hmm. um just the very nature of the the thing anything that's messy you know whether that's putting some um those mentos things in it a bottle of coke or Mm -hmm. chalk or things like that you know things that are messy 
go outside and do them um, because there's a great opportunity to, to, to broaden the range of those kind of experiments that you can do that you wouldn't necessarily do uh, in a lab. Those kind of big things that are fun things for kids to do as well. And I also used to like doing the slow-mo when you drop the balloon full of water and you can see how it kind of bounces and, and things like that. It's really cool and, 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 and kids really enjoy that. But I also used uh, the, those outside spaces for um, a stimulus, um, you know, a stimulus for learning. Let's look at our environment. Let's look at, for example, all the different kinds of maybe sounds we can hear and capture in our environment, in that outside mm -hmm. environment, whether that's birds in the trees or traffic or noise from a school across the road. Um, could be anything of that nature. And I also used to like... Um, kids capturing different surfaces and materials, materials that were uh, natural materials, you know, grasses, barks, all those kind of things. And then man-made materials like, you know, metal metal um, cages or bars. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds as if there's a school with cages and bars in it. But I'm talking about <laughs> there's, there's sometimes things locked away in school premises. Yeah. Um, and having a look at that, and then we, we did a, an exercise where we used that as a stimulus for... Um, about a poetry where they were responding to those natural uh, elements and those unnatural elements, man-made elements in their environment and responded by creating some poetry around that. So use that space as a, as a stimulus um, and a kind of experimental place we can, we can use. Yeah, so absolutely. So they could use that as a stimulus, which is then the basis for some learning that might take place back inside the classroom, but at least you're kind of getting the benefit of the the stimulus and you certainly talked there about using the iPad to record evidence of the outside world or perhaps of some specific learning if you're photographing things and grouping them into like you know man-made or natural so yeah lots of different ways of doing it yeah absolutely and of course it's all about the learning outcomes you know what's what you know what's the point of this yes the kids had fun but if there's no learning happened then what is the actual point yeah. so it has to always be tied to what your what your outcomes are and success criteria but you know good planning so yeah, it's definitely got to be got to be useful mm. keywords that, that we keep coming back to thanks very much michael um andy uh, anything to add on on sort of your experience of more of the campus spaces yeah and i think i mean obviously from my background that that is kind of day-to-day -day, but it's kind of similar to what michael's saying seen a lot of good uses uh, not just within that kind of stimulus thing but the gathering of information the gathering of ideas you know lots of work on shapes going you know finding you know shapes in nature etc bringing that back into the classroom so it's that ability that you know not it's not just a a secondary environment when you're talking about you know science experiments that can be used across the whole of the, the education curriculum especially in the early years there's lots of staff uh, who are publicizing really good things on twitter that they are doing where the kids are going beyond and then bringing the kind of information back into the classroom you know to have those discussions which is which is really exciting to see now that wouldn't have been possible previously yes yeah, so it's almost extending the range of resources that you can draw on in the classroom by having the ability to do this as a, as a first stage of a learning process. Um, Mary Jane, could you give us a wee insight into your sort of primary experience for, for this kind of activity? Yeah, so kind of similar to um, what Michael and Andy have already said, but in primary we're quite used to taking the learning that we're doing inside the classroom outside. And particularly in areas like science and um, numeracy as well, so again, similar to Andy, like the gathering of information, you know, something that comes to my mind is primary two used to do a kind of a travel survey and, and um, identifying vehicles. And we used to stand at the gates and record 
what we saw pass in the street, basically. And thinking of the, like, using the iPad within that, you've obviously got um, an app, which I know Andy talks quite a lot about um, looking into, and I'm definitely going to be doing it as well, but yeah. Numbers is a great way to be able to kind of record that information to then take back into the classroom to do a little bit of further learning around that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of using that, iPad just outside in the outside space, it really does kind of promote those connections to nature. I'm thinking about, you know, the kind of identification and classification of certain wildlife that are that is maybe out in our um areas. I mean at Keneal we were really fortunate. We had an outdoor space that we, we referred to as the kind of forest area, but it was like it had an orchard and things right. in it. We we grew fruit and things. We had some um bits where we could like grow vegetables and stuff like that as well so being able to use the ipad to see the progression of mm. that as well to capture that mm. um things as well like using the photo booth camera that has a thermal camera within mm. it as well to to kind of identify temperatures and things or if we're taking pictures of wildlife and i'm thinking about like the mini beast topic that we're always going out <laughs> to have a look um and I would rather those beasts stayed outside rather than inside my classroom. So that is always a good thing to go out and have a wee yeah. look there. Um, but it just really supports their their development as well by going out and, and using these spaces that every school tends to have outside and, and bringing that back into the classroom yeah, as well. absolutely. Sounds superb. Thanks a lot. Um, Kenny, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I mean, very very similar to, to what everybody has kind of said, just building on, you know, what Mary Jane's saying about bringing something, going outside and bringing something back. I'm just thinking about it in the other right. direction. So starting in the classroom and before you go outside. So one thing that I would often get young people to do would be if they were going to be filming somewhere, um, so I'm actually talking about off campus now because when my higher class used to <laughs> film, they would film on their own devices before we had one-to-one -one and they would go out into various places in the community. We've had people up Calendar Park, we've had people in City Centre, Glasgow, right, yeah. all sorts of things. And one thing I used to get them to do uh, beforehand was look on the satellite view of Google Maps or the street view of Google Maps to find exactly the right location. Um, really think about what the footfall was going to be there. Think about, well, are there going to be dog walkers? Are there going to be things that are noisy that are going to prohibit your filming? Like really think about where you're going before you go um, and obviously that's super useful and then they go and they do the thing and then they, they bring it back but even thinking about um, on a kind of sort of level of using the iPad to plan in advance if you had a small group of young people who you're trying to support um, you know with life skills looking at maps planning bus routes right okay so we're going to go to the Kelpies today for a, a, a wee trip what foods can we get there? Let's look at what outlets there are. How much money are we going to have to take? How are we going to get there? Are we going to, are we going to be able to walk? Do we have to yeah. get the bus? What do we want to look at when we're there? What do we definitely want to see? Um, so I'm just thinking about how potentially using iPads before, um, you know, going that further afield is potentially something um, that, that is useful. And certainly, you know, Mary Jane touched on the, the urban geography and I think the urban geographers um, for sort of Nat 5 and whatever, you know, this idea of going round a town, being able to see which areas are residential, which areas are for recreation, so on and so forth. That's That's something that's opened up well beyond just 
looking at it on a, a 2D map, you know, yeah. um, you can get an idea of where you're going to target, which areas you want to investigate more, and then go to those places, gather that information, get out there, so that when you're out there in the world, what you're doing is meaningful. Sure. It's not just a random selection. You're going to a place that you know is going to give you the data that, that you need, or you're going to a place that you know is the environment that you want for your 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 film piece or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting how you've given us an example there of how the iPad can support the sort of pre-activity and all the planning that goes into it so that as well as those curricular benefits that you're getting from those examples that you gave, like, um, you know, from the geography classroom, um, you're also developing a lot of, like, soft skills and social skills there and pupils and life skills that they, they can absolutely uh, rely on later on. Um, well, these things do all, all sound amazing, but, you know, what about people who would maybe say to us proposing all this moving the iPads about and taking them out and about um, you know a teacher who says I'm taking my pupils outside to enjoy a bit of nature get some fresh air which is good for their mental health I do not want them distracted by a screen the whole time that we're outside because they get enough of that at other times so what would you say to that argument I think for me it's you know that whole thing about it's a screen it's it, it, it's lots of things it's a camera it is a notebook for me to write yeah. things on it's for extra information that the teacher's given me as i explore that outdoor space there's my instructions it just doesn't have to be on paper it's you know if you were saying to them i want you to draw that, i want you to draw that well i'm going to draw it on this on the screen we need to get away from this idea that the screen is bad it's just a medium through which you know yes. kids kids engage with things, so I I, I don't pay, pay much attention to that. And and you know what? Whenever I've taken kids out with their iPads, the screen isn't on all the time. Yeah. You know, it's got a cover that closes, yeah. right? And you talk to them, and you look in their eyes, and they look about, and then they'll maybe do something on the iPad, and then they'll close the cover again. And so you know, that's 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 I, I don't like that question. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Michael. And Michael, you've just rhymed off five or six things there that the kids would need to take in addition to themselves if they didn't have their iPad. They'd need yeah. a camera uh, and they'd need their a pencil. Uh, notebook and they'd need yeah. their app materials and they'd need a set. Like, it, it, it encompasses, it brings all that together, but it then allows mm -hmm. it allows pupils to, you know, you know, Michael, you said, you know, taking notes there. So one kid might want to type them, one kid might want to handwrite it, one, one kid might want to take, you know, images to then have it as like as a storybook yeah. it allows the kids to be able to personalize how they want to yeah. capture that information yeah yeah record their own voice yeah mm. can't do that if you only give them a, a notebook and and say follow me yeah yeah mm -hmm. so it's about not seeing the screen as a distraction i mean obviously i, f I framed the question in a negative way with that word it's not it's not a distraction any more than anything else out there might be a distraction it should be enhancing the learning and activity that you intended to do anyway. And it helps keep kids organised as well, you know, in terms of resource management, you know, and, uh, as you say, Andy, that rather than carrying seven different bits and pieces, it's just one piece I take out with me and I'm, that keeps me organised and more focused on what I'm trying to yeah. achieve rather than, what did I do with that pencil? Where will I put the camera? I need to put it down, you know, it doesn't fit in my pocket, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I think as well, like, a kind of happy medium is something or something to consider as a happy medium is that you also need to, if you're 
kind of reticent about it or worried about it, consider, does it need to be everybody that takes their yeah, device true. out? Is it a group and you've got one device per group? And that's maybe a starting point for people who feel a little bit weary about the iPads being outside in the in the rain and the snow and all the rest of it. Um, but certainly working up to you know, everybody having those tools in, in their hand to make the most of them. Yeah, you've touched there, Kerry, with your reference to, you know, the, the rain and the snow. Uh, one of the other kind of uh, apprehensive positions that I do hear from teachers on this stuff, which is how do we actually avoid uh, damaged iPads and breakages when we're doing this kind of thing, mm-hmm. which I think is a, is a legitimate concern that somebody might, you know, choose to, to leave devices behind when doing an activity like this. So what kind of things, what can we do to, to kind of reduce the chance of, of breakages or to encourage people to go out there and be confident and, and to use their device to its full potential? I think it's a little bit, you know, Kerry, Kerry was really clear at the start when she was talking about her media examples, you know, the, the routine side of things, whether it's individual pupils. Mm-hmm. I think it's that idea. It's about, you know, Kerry said she knows what area the kids are going to. So she knows that area of the school. Okay, yeah, that's a safe area. That's an area, okay, right, we've got one iPad. It's the same with myself and PE. It's that idea of if we're doing groups, you know, you're still able to, what would you say, kind of support the pupils with that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of you know, preparatory work needs done in relation to, right, okay, so what are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be doing that? How are you going to be standing? If you're doing, say, filming or recording, it's not just about captioning of, it's about, right, okay, well, if we're going that we're going down to the pump track, and I'll use that as an example again, yeah. because they, they then got to get all the bikes down, we've got to get all the helmets down, we've got to get the cones that we're using down. Oh yeah, we've also got an iPad as well. It's that idea in relation to the planning of Kerry's doing filming. They've got their tripod. They've potentially got some props. They've got some mm-hmm. materials that they're taking. It's not just a matter, you know, it, the iPad then becomes built into that process. So when everybody has their what would you say, kind of responsibility or role? It was what Michael was saying as well. You know, everybody's got their part that they play in it. So I think that's, for me, that's the key part that, you know, that I've built into my lessons is I know when I'm going to utilise it. If I've got all this other equipment that needs to go as well, it's just about clearly identifying who is doing what. Yeah. There's, uh, there's a thing to do with habits with kids and preparing them to, uh, to develop those habits. So what's the best way to hold an iPad right? when you're out and about rather than just one-handed? How do we hold this properly? When we're not using it, what do we do? We always close the cover. So those kind of behaviours are something you want to be you want to be teaching them. It's, it's a teachable moment. you know. Keep the cover yes. closed when you're not using it because if it drops, the chances are it won't, it won't crack the screen because it's covered and we're, we're fine. We've got a ruggedized case. So get them into the habit of doing that and that that, that usually takes care of it in my experience. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I was basically going to say almost exactly the same thing. You know, it's, it's that thing of, you know, when you give out a set of jotters to a class and they're all lovely and you get them to write their name at the top and the subject <laughs> and then the... And then you've got the constant issue of trying to um, police graffiti right and it's that one thing of you let it slip that one time and then the next time it's all over everybody's you know it's it's about developing the habits in the same way that you would with any other piece of equipment that you would have in your classroom your jotters yeah. your coloured pen l- l- listen Andy knows coloured pencils like <laughs> uh, 
they've got to be meticulous. Yellows go with yellows, pinks go with pinks, blues <laughs> go with blues. Right. And it's about having those those habits and those routines and making sure that you're consistent with the following of that. I mean, kids got an iPad on the floor. <laughs> Like what? What's no. happening there? That that needs to be addressed. They need to be they need yeah, to be picked out. up on that the same way that they would need to be picked up if they were tearing pages out their jotter. You know, it's it's yeah. the same principle. I would be really interested to see all of our jotters from when we were at school. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to see whether we actually followed the rules. <laughs> oh, I did. One hundred percent did not. That's a different podcast. That's a, yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> as I did. I think the other thing is when you're in a, an outdoor space, I actually, and I th- I've got a feeling Michael might agree with me here as well, I actually find it easier to keep tabs on their iPads because you're in a wide open space. You can actually see everybody. There's no yep. desks in the way. There's no furniture in the way. Your 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 line of sight is pretty, you know, bang on if you position yourself, you know, properly and you can kind of see what they're doing better than you can actually see when they're in the classroom and there's lots of other things on the desk or the tables are in the way or there's chairs in the way or or whatever it actually is in many ways easier to keep tabs on what they're doing with them outside yeah i agree yeah so you said easier i mean thank you for those those sort of practical helpful tips on how we can certainly make this easier for people to feel confident in doing um just before we move on then um to touch explicitly on compatible and useful what are our thoughts there on you know these campus spaces? How compatible is that with the curriculum and what we're doing anyway? How useful is it to have these available to us? I think what 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 it does is is give kids a sense of ownership. You know that this is my school. It's not my 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 school is more than just my classroom. Um, all of this space belongs to me, and and learning happens in all those spaces. And what the iPad can do is it can open up those spaces because of the mobility of the device and the features, as we were saying earlier, like notebooks and cameras and audio recorders. Um, what, it, what it opens up is the opportunity for kids to realise that, that this is my space and this is my school and everywhere I go is a learning space. And I think that's something that we, we should be encouraging. Yeah, including, of course, um, the home. Because a lot of pupils are taking these home and that's another strand of them being trusted and being responsible with it and knowing how to look after it. So I think now they've got a situation where pupils are quite used to having a device outside of school, outside the school grounds, then it should be less of a a sort of scary idea for them to take it outside to the to the school grounds or, or beyond the boundaries of the school. I think compatible wise as well is I think it can really open up I'm thinking about the English curriculum here and I'm thinking about specifically poetry you know if you're teaching something like Vernon Scannell Nettles or Blackberry Picking by Seamus Heaney you can go out and see nettle beds and you can find blackberry bushes and you, you can actually bring those stories alive and you can see them in real life and in real time rather than just on the page yeah. and that often actually is quite good at helping young people to see the images, you know, the idea of a bed of nettles, why is it called a bed, and looking at the actual, you know, yeah, you can do that in the classroom, and you can do it on the, you know, getting a picture up on the computer, but, you know, why would you do that if you could actually go out and find the things and live the experience of yeah, the poem? Yeah, the poems that you cited are such, such sensory poems as well, that you can really bring them to life mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. tapping into that, that, the sensory aspect, and that, that reminds me of something Michael said right at the start about it being a stimulus, um, you know, how many times do we talk about five senses for creative writing? 
So, you know, first activity, you go out and about, mm-hmm. get, you know, get a record some sounds, photograph some, some images, things that you can see, and then you start your, your creative writing and it's just at another level completely. Mm-hmm. As our final destination, let's broaden our horizons even more. How can iPad enhance school trips beyond the boundaries of the school? I'm thinking whether you're going to the Helix or Hong Kong. What place does the iPad have in these contexts? Andy? Yeah, so I suppose the current position we're in regarding how school excursions have been and where, you know, the Connected Falkirk project now sits, you know, the, the, the landscape's very, very different. You know, previously, running your, your residential or your kind of foreign trips, we, we do our South African exchange. All right. So they go out to Cape Town, they work in the school. A lot of that ability for the pupils to reflect and create needs to be done afterwards because they haven't had their own individual devices. It's that idea of the whole concept of having a device when you are going on these residentials. It's, it's you know, it's what we've, we've spoken about and we've mentioned in numerous points. It's not just about learning at that one time in that one place. It's the constant ability to reference back to, you know, when the kids, when we take them to South Africa and they're actually teaching some of the, the pupils, they're able to record that, they're able to work with them directly at that time. You know, I think about um, ski trips. Yeah. You know, once again, you're doing a, you know, doing a practical environment. The instructor's telling them things. If we're taking the kids away, what happens? Oh, can you do this? No, no. Here's yourself coming down the slope. Do you see what I was saying there? Oh, yeah. Oh, wasn't he doing that? Okay, right. Next time, try and do this. It's, it's, allow, it's allowing you to to bring that learning to life yeah. that you can constantly do that. Yeah. But it's more than just doing it in a, what I would say, a kind of one-dimensional format. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it gives the option that it's not just for, you know, not just telling something, somebody verbally, you're able to give them it kind of visually as well. So it's like that idea of it yeah, really... Sure don't tell. I think they're phenomenal for those bigger trips yeah that allows the learning to constantly be happening yeah so particularly useful for you know giving people a bit of feedback on what they were doing when they can see themselves doing it absolutely um kerry yeah i'll just jump in on a very similar vein um and i'm actually not going to be a a a neggy nancy on this but i'm going to be very uh, sort of practical on this so i have been on that same trip that andy has been on not the same time but been to cape town um and i did take ipads with me now i didn't take it was before one-to-one so they wouldn't have taken one each anyway but if i'm being completely honest i don't think i would have let them take one-to-one anyway just because of the safety aspect of that however having a number of devices and i took i think it was four they lived in my backpack and they were handed out and used when the kids wanted to use them and then i had them in my backpack like the whole time and we used them an awful lot every night they would take them to their individual rooms and they would record a video diary with their reflections for the day because obviously an experience like uh, going to Cape Town is is a culture shock and you are learning and growing as a as a person the things that you're seeing and the things that you're being exposed to that are so different to the world that you know um the ability to reflect 
candidly and honestly through a, a video diary rather than like writing things down um that that was super super useful just for the young people even to process what they'd seen that day not as a memory thing um although it was useful for that but as a processing thing and the fact that they sat together in twos and it was a conversational yeah, piece helped them to just kind of work through the day and how they felt about yeah. what they'd seen and, and so on and so yeah, forth to reflect um but yeah, totally. In addition to that, obviously, when we were actually in the school, they also used the devices to make things with uh, the, the pupils that they were working with at Woodlands Primary. So um, I had one group who were specialising in uh, stop motion animation and they were using um, chalks on the, the, the surface of the playground to kind of make a stop motion animation. And there was also one point where I was running to um, a, a homeware shop <laughs> Uh, while everybody else was getting breakfast to buy a green bed sheet <laughs> so that they could try green screen because they had kind of mentioned it the day before and I was like, yeah, we can do that, that's no problem, you know. But that was something that that, that we were able to facilitate um, because we had those those with with us. But yeah, as I, as I said, I was very cautious about it. I, I did only take four because I wanted to be able to make sure that, you know, that... that I was the person carrying the valuable items rather than they them being out in the streets yeah. of Cape Town carrying an expensive device. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that kind of thing does have to be taken into of consideration. They've got very good reasons for making that choice as well. I love the anecdote about the green bed sheet. I've always thought that teachers were uh, great <laughs> improvisers and very resourceful. That's a superb example to, yeah. to kind yeah. of bear that out. Um, thank you. Mary Jane, what's your experience of uh, the iPad as a device um, on school trips in the primary setting? Um, I can't actually say I've got much experience with taking iPads um, on school trips because the last school trip I did was maybe about three years ago ah. before there was a, a um, you know, the iPads brought into the classroom and things like that. But, you know, just what Kerry's saying, like I'm, I'm loving some of the things that Kerry's saying about the use of the iPads to capture their experiences during the trip and things like that and while she was talking I was just thinking about even from a teacher point of view any time I've ever been out on a trip primary teachers probably all teachers actually will will relate to this but the rucksack comes out and all the things that go into the rucksack um, that you need well, in terms of your first aid but I'm even thinking of all the kind of papers that you have to carry when you're going on a school mm -hmm. trip mm -hmm. and even things like you get sent something from wherever you're going. So, for example, we went to a museum once. You get sent information via email from the museum. You know, here's a map of the museum. Here's some of the things that you can do. Having that on the device to use rather than then having to print all that information yeah. off to carry it in your backpack, then rifling through all these papers, etc. Mm -hmm. Even just from that kind of teacher organisation point of view, having that on your yeah. device... Mm -hmm. It's just so easy to access because you're carrying your device. You're able to use your device to take photographs of what the kids are doing at the time, but also still have what you need on that device to navigate your way around wherever you're going, rather than you then having to put it back in your bag, take something else out. It's just a wee bit more seamless and it just means that you can enjoy the experience a bit more. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Uh, yeah. You want to see the ream of paper that you've got to take with you to Cape Town. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, That's two rucksacks just for the paperwork. <laughs> Gary, a lot of rucksacks that trip. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it definitely makes a difference, I think, to be able to use it just for that kind of aspect mm-hmm. as well. It's useful for, for people organisation, but also for teacher organisation. Good point. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Michael, what do you think on uh, iPad for learning beyond the classroom in a sort of extramural activity? Uh, well, you're not be surprised that I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm, I, I'm recalling a, a newspaper article where they showed a picture of kids in a museum and the kids were either on their phones or on an iPad looking at their iPad and not at the wonderful paintings that were on the wall and wasn't this a terrible scandal, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, they never asked the question, what were they looking at on their iPads? Well, maybe they were looking at extra information about the artist whose painting was on the wall. Maybe they were writing up some notes. Maybe they were doing some more research. Maybe because of the fact that the writing about the artist and the information about the artist is so small on the wall next to the picture <laughs> that they'd taken a picture of the writing and zoomed in to see what it actually yeah. said. People make so many different assumptions that technology and screen, looking at a screen mm-hmm. is a bad thing. And it didn't say, well, you know, it showed me what their opinion of young people was like, you know, demonising them, yeah. that they're, they're glued mm-hmm. to these devices. Um, so I thought that was a kind of gotcha kind of picture, which I, I didn't like. And I've taken kids to museums and things, and what, especially for some of our earlier early years, young people. Um, you go to somewhere like, um, you know, muse, you know, museums in Glasgow or Edinburgh, wherever it's going to be. And I've taken my young son there um, to Edinburgh and Glasgow um, museums. And it's just stimulation, stimulation, stimulation. In fact, in some ways, it's too much stimulation. And so for him to make sense of that journey and that experience, because it is an experience and an enjoyable experience, he can capture some of that during that visit. Yeah. And then he then he can reflect and debrief himself on all the great things he, see, he, he saw and had a look at. And so it was making memories for him and he... He owned that. Um, there was an ownership of the pictures he took and the story he wanted to tell himself about that trip to the museum. So that when they come back to classroom and you say, well, let's now write about our trip to the museum or a particular exhibit. Let me look in the pictures that I took with my camera so as I can reflect on that. And, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. I completely forgot about yeah. that bit. Um, and so that whole experience taking that overstimulation and giving young people a chance to capture um reflect um without having all that in their head at one yeah, time yeah it takes a pressure you know, and I've, I've done absolutely and of course um it's their visit to the museum it's not my visit to the museum it's their visit so let them tell their own story of that of what that journey is and you can you can set up you know something in pages a little um, workbook that'll ask them to capture different places um, around the museum so there's a narrative there of what you wanted to, for them to make sure they got they got a hold of um, so I think that's really important and one thing I used to like to do with the kids was the younger kids was if they take a picture of a statue of a famous person for example and then they bring that back into the classroom and they can do a little um chatter pick chatter kid thing where the 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 the, 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 the statue or the, the the face or the bust of a, of a famous person can tell the story of who they are you know so if you're taking a picture of somebody famous statue then you've got that image and you can use that to to add a little mouth to it and make it move um so that was always a good laugh um and so again it's about trust it's about capturing their experience and helping them remember that great day we spent at the museum. And that means you can you may have taken them on that trip in September and you can still reflect and look back on it in next June. 
So their, their, their memories of school and the great experience they have, um, you know, brings back warm thoughts and warm feelings about what that year's been about. And I think that that's key as well, Michael. You know, you kind of mentioned there across across all of the, whether it's primary or secondary, you know, they do do class trips or whether it's residentials. And I'm thinking of like, you know, John Muir Award, Duke of Edinburgh. It's about thinking within the planning and when you're, you know, looking to utilise and build these programmes, how can you use the iPad and how can that iPad fit in naturally with that so that allows the pupils to come back to that experience that they've happened that's happened potentially weeks months ago to reflect on that it was something that we'd started to build in with the duke edinburgh program they need to do a presentation mm -hmm. as part of that well why were they spending the time doing the presentation previously when they could have done it when they were on the walk and it was about their walk where they were able to catch other capture whether it was images or experiences that they'd had and then at, in the evening do that presentation to the people that were there. So it was their kind of reflections on the day. So it's trying to open, it's trying to make them think more about what they're doing as, as opposed to just doing. Yeah. yeah. And of course, uh, Michael, on your point about museums and that kind of gotcha newspaper story, most museums and attractions that I've been to recently kind of encourage that sort of digital integration with things like QR codes or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. AR uh, options on on certain Absolutely, so it's certainly it's yeah. kind of part of the experience now and it remind, reminds me of one trip i was on we went to the tate modern with a group of uh, seniors a couple of years ago and we were a wee bit worried as the trip organizers that they, they might just kind of breeze through and kind of oh, look at that or look at that it might be quite a passive experience so we just set them a wee task to to photograph their three favorite exhibits and then they had to give like a reason why it was their favorite so there was just a little bit more engagement um, required from the pupils and I think they did get more out of it because of that and we got some really good uh, uh, reflections on why they liked certain exhibits and kind of interpretations because some of the stuff in there was completely bizarre so it was nice to, to get the pupils to think about that. One of my favourite ones, thinking about your story about the statue, Michael, is I one time took kids to the National Gallery and got them to choose a client um, and they had to take a picture of one of the portraits and when we came back, it was a, it was a media class, so we were looking at PR and mm -hmm. it was how are you going to like make a Twitter account for this person, how are you going to publicise them, oh, what right. kind of films would they be in, what kind of roles would they be taking and stuff. And that was really good because what I found was because they were looking for a client that they would be working with, they really looked at the the paintings to kind of assess like who they could work with and who was giving certain things off by like how they were dressed mm -hmm. or the way they were standing or the props that were in the picture with them and that was a really interesting one yeah who they connect with that's that's really yeah. interesting yeah people from the past as well yeah, it was called, it was a fake talent agency and we called it the Still Living Talent Agency. Nice <laughs> <laughs> one. Yeah, so I think we've naturally touched on easy, compatible, useful as we've gone through there. Just that, you know, having the device available makes the things that you want to do on trips easy, like things like reflecting on the experience or being able to capture elements of it in order to reflect down the line. Um, certainly there's a lot of useful advice about how, you know, the kind of administrative aspect of running a big trip and how you can have all of your documents and things in one place. Um, any final thoughts on easy, compatible, useful? Yeah, one, one that kind of sticks out to me is I think we often hear like, oh, well, 
I'm not going to take the iPads on that trip because you're not going to have Wi-Fi anyway. And this notion, completely false notion, that the iPad is not useful unless it's connected to Wi-Fi. And as Michael's touched on several times, you know, today... It's it's not just an internet browser, it's a camera, it's a notepad, it's, you know, all of these different things. And if you've, as Andy said, integrated it into your planning beforehand and you've made your pages document with the things that you want them to do and you've shared that with them beforehand, they don't need Wi-Fi to document their experience at the museum in Cape Town, on the ski slopes, wherever it is they might be. Um, so the suggestion that it's not useful to take them because they doesn't they don't have the internet is crazy. But also, it's actually probably more useful that they don't because they're immersed completely in the experience. There's not the temptation to go online and look up X, Y, or Z. the The device becomes something that is about recording and documenting mm-hmm. rather than consuming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important to make that point that it's, it does so much uh, as a device without Wi-Fi and on the core apps that you have on there. Yep. Okay, folks, thank you very much for your insights into iPad learning beyond the classroom in our, in our three different zones. That just about concludes our journey for today. Um, but before we go, it's time for our feature that allows us to share something we've seen that has impressed us or inspired us or even just made us smile. It's time for digital discovery. So what have you been discovering of late, Mary Jane? Um, I saw something the other day, actually, and it's a wee shout out to St Margaret's Primary and Miss MacDonald and Primary 6 at Hall Glen Primary mm-hmm. School, who were creating code for the Astro Pi Mission Zero Challenge to send um, messages into space to the astronauts, which I thought looked quite cool. Um, it was actually something I'd, I'd never really heard of the challenge, so I went off and had a wee look, and it looks it looks quite cool. So well done to those two schools who were tweeting about so that. So we stopped our journey on planet Earth, but those pupils are taking it even further. Nice nice to see that, <laughs> that kind of ambition. I know, definitely. <laughs> Michael, anything uh, caught your eye for Discovery? Well, yeah, a couple of things, um, and, and just Larry Jim was saying there, you know that, that you know checking in on Twitter, um, it, it, it's great because you just see some great ideas. You go, I'm going to steal that, and I'm going to, I'm definitely going to remember that, and it reflects on I'm reflecting on my own child's experience of learning in Macaton, and where there was, um, you know, a sheet of paper with a, almost like an IKEA drawing of how to do the signs in Makaton, which I couldn't make head or tail of. But of course, when kids have got iPads and stuff, they can be recording them, sending messages in Makaton. They can learn new Makaton signs because there's video that's shared with them. And the, the iPad just gives them a great chance for them to practice and, and to play around with that. And I, I thought that was smashing. And then something very selfish, I know it's two I'm giving you, but something very selfish from my part because i've used my ipad for everything i've got loads and loads of screens of apps right maybe 10 screens of apps and what i've discovered is you can actually move the pages around rather than a single individual app around you can move entire pages around so i'm going to reorganize my my ipad so that i've got you know early years apps here you know numeracy apps on this screen and then when i'm coming to do a session with a school i'll just drag that screen as my first screen and it was dead easy. There's all the little dots at the bottom of your first page of apps. You can see it that you can normally slide across. If you hold your finger on that, 
everything starts to wobble, and then tap it again, then you'll get all your pages up, and then you can rearrange them into a different order. That blew my mind. Um, so I'm still learning uh, and still finding out useful things for me, which is quite selfish, but there you go. Oh, no, another, another useful discovery. Thank you. Over to you, Kerry. Yeah, so I think I'm going to use Andy's one. Is that why he's looking at me like that? The heart? I hope not. <laughs> Okay. Miss <laughs> uh, co- McKechnie. You commented on Twitter. I thought the rule was if you choose <laughs> oh, okay, to comment okay, on okay, Twitter. Right. That are you going to choose that one? You're going to choose that one. I've got that one as my second one, but I've got one before it. Would you like to use it? I've got I've got two as well. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the heart and then Andy can tell you what he liked about the heart. Miss McKechnie <laughs> uh, from Larbert High School, um, her S3s were doing heart dissections with actual physical hearts. So we're not going out of the classroom, we're actually going yeah, inside okay. bodies this time. Um, <laughs> so uh, they had done their heart dissection and they'd used, very simple but very effective, they'd used markup to show the different parts of yeah. the heart. And my favourite thing about it was um, Mr Coyle tweeted um, saying that he, as a chemistry teacher, was today years old when he learned that heartstrings were an actual anatomical yeah. things. So it wasn't only S3 that we're <laughs> learning there. It was also some of the adults <laughs> at Larbert High School. Uh, the other one that I really loved, which was from just the other day as well, although it'll be April when people hear this, but it was International Women's Day on March the 8th. Mm-hmm. And Hoglen Primary, P5C and Miss Close, they had been making... Um, Emojis, memojis that looked like important women to them in their lives and they had to put them onto a lovely little um, background image and said who they were celebrating, which important woman to them um, was being honoured that day and that was really lovely to see too. Yeah, I see that. Those looked really good, really impressive. All right, Andy, anything left that we've not already pinched? I honestly can't believe Miss Abercrombie <laughs> just jumped in and absolutely steamrolled me on this one. But yes, Soft. I do. It's actually, it's actually in the context of today's. Now, I'd obviously I'd seen it and and I'd been engaging with this member of staff, and it was this. You know, we've been talking today about kind of staff taking their iPads beyond the classroom. So obviously, somebody's idea of a classroom environment, the four walls, and mine as a PE teacher, very very different. So it was actually Miss Orr at Lauriston in P7, and she had actually already been using the iPads with her class and her PE lessons. So she'd been Uh getting them to uh, kind of give feedback, but also kind of videoing their, the kids had been videoing their own performances to then go and look back at it. And I just thought in relation to the context of today, absolutely brilliant. Couldn't couldn't have asked for more, but then it was the idea of she'd continued on the the tweet thread of the different things that they'd been doing the next week which I just thought was absolutely brilliant and that, that was great to see. But yes, obviously, Miss McKechnie's S3 biology, I just <laughs> absolutely loved it. It was, it's what Michael had kind of mentioned and intimated to earlier. It's this idea of, you know, you go away and learning happens and then how do you reflect back on yeah. that? That experience of those kids dissecting that, they've taken the pictures of it, they've done the live markup, they can go back to that at any point. And, you know, this isn't taken away from it, but, you know, markup is such a simple tool, but this was just so effective for that the kids to be able to show their understanding, but then this idea that they're going to reference back to that later. I just I just absolutely loved it. As soon as I saw it, I was like, ah, you know, without iPads, it would have been, how would we have done that? Would have, you know, done a photocopy? Would have got a picture offline? But the kids have actually done all of that. They are live at the time. 
just bringing learning to life. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, there's a whole piece around the value of images to young people, especially ones they've taken, because it's mm-hmm. their memories, it's their capturing. It's not the thing that Mr. Conlon gave me in a bit of paper to look at or in a textbook that's flat. It's I was there, that's the image that I took, that's my memory. Yeah. And you connect much yeah. more to things that you own and, and, and capture than you do something that's given to you. So those memories are stronger, those links are stronger, um, and the fact that they interacted with that, with the markup, live or, or you know just right after i think it's really cool yeah for, for photograph elicitation there's many 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 academic articles that you can read about that <laughs> but yeah de- definitely that's mm-hmm. that's 100 more effective and valuable mm-hmm. and personal yeah to the learning and to the young people yeah and yep. what you want isn't it some like you said markup is a simple tool yeah. but incredibly powerful and effective when used in that way Thank you very much. Oh, Gav, can I also give a shout out to everybody who participated in the Rogues Gallery, course, the mini yes. challenge that we did for World Book Day? Yep, completely agree. Lots of keen artists out there who know their literary villains, so brilliant to see those shared with us on Twitter. Thank you to everyone who contributed to the Rogues Gallery for World Book Day. A digital discovery for me has been examples of pupils leading learning. I saw the pupil digital leaders were supporting a brilliant looking task that P7M at Wallastone Primary were doing involving green screen to create TV news items. Um, Also, a couple of pupils from P76 at Deanburn produced a video on five top tips for staying safe online, which had some really cool visuals to go along with sensible advice. And similarly, the Canaird digital leaders have been putting out their Techie Tuesday tips, which have been incredibly helpful and clearly explained too. So great to see the pupils taking taking on ownership for digital learning across Falkirk. Let me offer my huge thanks to everyone for joining me on the podcast today. And remember, listeners, you can get in touch with your own ideas and experiences of iPad learning beyond the classroom using the handle at ConnectedFolk on Twitter. We really enjoy hearing from you, whether it's questions, sharing amazing things you're doing with pupils, or if there's perhaps a topic you'd like to suggest we cover in a future episode, don't hesitate to get in touch. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll make a return trip to check in on our next episode. Until then, bye for now. Bye. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.